0: Okay, very good, yeah. Uh, let's just dive right in. This is week five of a seven-week series about uh, what we believe here at Spring House. And next week, uh, Elder Rodney Boyd will be uh, bringing the word on the word. Yeah, I may come see check it out <laughs> now when we when we went through that i mean i wanted to get rodney up at some point this year and uh, when we went through that i went okay i know which one i know which one to give to rodney i'll give him i'll give him the one about the word would you stand with me and let's read from john chapter 16 together <clears throat> now i am going to him who sent me yet none of you ask me where are you going Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth he will not speak on his own he will speak only what he hears And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would inhabit your church I pray that you would inhabit every heart here, every person here. I pray that you would make us receptive to the truth and that you would help us to to see you more clearly, to see the Father more clearly today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let me just say something about this particular passage before I move on. It says that he will not speak on his own, he'll speak only what he hears and that he'll bring glory to to Jesus by taking from what belongs to Jesus and making it known to us. And because of this, some have kind of (coughs) gotten the impression that the Holy Spirit uh, somehow was sort of this this nebulous thing who really didn't speak on his own and uh, was just here to to bring glory to, to Christ. And he doesn't speak on his own, and he is here to bring glory to Christ, but he's not nebulous. Because when you think about it, Jesus did not speak on his own. He said, I only only say what I hear the Father say. Only do what I see the Father doing. And not only did he not speak on his own, he came to reveal the Father. He came to bring glory to the one who sent him. So that's that's God's MO. That's the way that he operates. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they all all operate that way. Um, As I said, this is the fifth in the series, seven week series of what we believe. And this is our fifth statement of faith here. We believe that the Holy Spirit is the agent through whom we are brought to faith in Christ. Talk about that in a few minutes. After we come to faith, the Holy Spirit becomes our counselor and comforter in this life. We further believe that the fullness of the Holy Spirit, also known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is available to believers who ask, bringing with it empowerment and gifts in all generations just as it did in the book of Acts. And I could say just as he did in the book of Acts, but we're talking about the baptism, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, brought those things in the book of Acts and brings it now. (coughs) Excuse me, the the scripture speaks of the Holy Spirit as being so important that it was good for us, for Jesus to go away. How important is that? I mean, for, for something to be, for someone to be so important that Jesus says, I need to leave because... Somebody more important is coming. And that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is above Jesus. But when Jesus was here, there was just one of him. And he could only be one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit can come and inhabit every single one of us. Can can brood over the entire face of the earth and can inhabit all believers, which which is what he does. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of guilt and convince them of righteousness. He will guide us into all truth. Even if that truth is you ought to be a tither, whatever that may happen to be. He's the one who reveals Christ to us. I grew up in a neo-Pentecostal setting. We didn't call it that because we didn't know what neo meant. Uh, So we we just called it Pentecostal. But I grew up in a neo-Pentecostal setting, and we heard about the Holy Ghost all the time. And I titled this mysterious God. Those of you who are, are, are familiar probably know that I totally ripped that off from Francis Chan but it's, a, but it's an appropriate title because while we heard about the Holy Ghost all the time, a lot of people didn't know that there'd be a Holy Ghost yeah, who, were, who, were, uh, who were Christians. Uh, this is a picture from, uh, from the Pentecostal days. This actually was before I was born, and my mom and dad are not in there, but I do have a couple of uncles in there and a couple of aunts in there. My grandfather and my grandmother are the, are the oldest people in there, and I love this picture because of the joy that it exudes (laughs) yeah who wouldn't want some of that (laughs) actually if you look at this picture there's one thing I love about it because there's one person in there (laughs) right in the center everybody else got their game face on and and that one you're kind of going what is she up to and how did these people feel when they realized that she had ruined their picture? <laughs> this is a very serious thing the way that uh, the way that uh, that my grandparents and and the generation before me have approached church and, and that's not a bad thing at all. I mean, you know, we we could do with a little more seriousness, but we could also I mean, joy is one of the fruits of the spirit. It is one of the things that's supposed to be going on in our lives. When I first came here, it took six months before anybody laughed at anything. I mean, I could, I, I could bring, bring it, you know, and it would be... That was a good sermon, Pastor. i think I'm going, get me out, take me back to Africa. Those folks know how to enjoy church. Well, these folks did too. But it seemed that while we were hearing about the Holy Spirit a lot, we were holy rollers after all, that much of the American church thought that the Holy Spirit had made a big splash with the first generation of believers and then kind of disappeared for 1,900 years. And nothing could be further from the truth. A lot of that had to do with, uh, largely to do, I think, with ignorance of church history because the Holy Ghost didn't disappear, Uh, you know, we just... Didn't write about it much after, after Acts, and we didn't keep up with it, but he was, he was very active. It wasn't that he just came, you know, and gave us a, you know, a kickstart, and now it's up to us to keep this thing going. No, if it's up to us to keep this thing going, it's not of God. Because flesh can only give birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. So the Holy Spirit's got to empower everything. I personally believe that some of it had to do with the fact that a move of the Spirit can get messy at times. And the easiest way to deal with messy is just to say, that doesn't happen anymore. That's just not supposed to happen. That's that's the easiest way to do it, even though I admit that messy fleshy happens at times. And you you have to be ready to deal with it. Those of you who've been here for a while have heard me share... Some of the times at the Lord's Chapel, you've heard me share about the time that the guy got up on Sunday morning and prophesied to everyone, oh my children, oh my children, the Lord says unto you, you you do not trust me. Put your trust in me. You, You are not trusting me because you are setting your alarm clocks to wake you up in the morning. Allow me to wake you up in the morning. And I was in my 30s, I was in my early 30s at the time, and I just didn't have the, just trying to think of the right euphemism to use here, I I just didn't get up and say anything about it, but I'm, I'm, everything inside of me is going, some of you old guys, (laughs) fix that! Somebody needs to get up and say, we love you brother, thanks for bringing that word, but that wasn't God. Because there are going to be people who are going to go home tonight and they're and going to have a crisis of faith before they go to bed. They're going to be going, oh, oh I, I, I really do trust in the Lord. Should I set my alarm clock? That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. Somebody needed to get up and go, this is stupid. Because <laughs> it was. And that, but that's a hard thing to do. I mean, you know, what? you talk about setting a fire in the church. You just set one, and it wasn't the kind of fire that, yeah. And and and, and then when you do do it, do do it. Yeah, when you do it, yeah, it was redundant, wasn't it? When you do it, uh, there are you know there are people who are going, oh, brother, you're quenching the spirit. No, you're not quenching the spirit. You're just dumping the flesh out. What you're doing, but that's hard to do. That's hard to do. Now, we Pentecostals, on the other hand, we built a tidy little theological playroom for the Holy Ghost and said, you stay right there. And we'll, we'll come visit you from time to time, and, and we'll, yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. You feel it. You tarried for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you got it. And, 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 uh, and boy, you know, the service was supposed to end at, at nine. It started at seven in those days. It was supposed to end at nine. You had to go for two hours, because God doesn't show up in the first 90 minutes. It's got to it's be at least two hours. And uh you know and if you and if you happen to hit one that went to midnight woohoo, boy you were first century That's right Uh but even 10 was pretty good And uh you know and you'd terrified the Holy Ghost and there'd be people praying with you and you know one of them would be praying Lord fill him Lord fill him and another would be praying Lord empty him Lord empty him and no wonder you spoke in tongues I mean you, you're just And you knew that you got it because you did speak in tongues and you felt a little differently, at least until you got to the parking lot. And sometimes, I mean, I'm not saying that nothing of that was legitimate, because I absolutely know that a lot of it was, but I also absolutely know that a lot of it wasn't. Is, that, is this at some point? And we go looking for experiences and for the next experience to come along. And if nobody, if nobody brought a message in tongues and there wasn't really some really odd-looking dancing going on or anything in, in like three months at the church, oh, must be sin in a preacher's life. There's an Achan in the camp somewhere. Somebody's, somebody's messed up here. And that was that was kind of it wasn't a matter of it it wasn't like hey you know why don't we take this one day at a time, and just walk with Jesus step by step by step. Now there were certainly those who did that, but but there were those who didn't. And when others when others from other camps would claim, well, we received the Holy Spirit when we were saved, we'd go, eh, not really. And the theology of it all was 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 pretty fuzzy. Now once again, I can't answer all the questions because mysterious God actually is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, there's, there's stuff about him that once we get on the other side, we still won't know. But there are a few things that I, that I can tell you about what I do know. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit here for a little while. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not a New Testament invention. The Holy Spirit just didn't come along when the New Testament came along. He's in Genesis chapter 1, he's in Revelation chapter 22. He's at the beginning, he's at the end. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. And in, and in uh, Revelation chapter 22, the spirit and the bride say, "Come. Come, Lord Jesus." So he's there at the beginning, he's there at the end, he's there all the way, all the way through. In the Old Testament, he came upon various ones at various times for a season. And there actually are so many that I can't, this isn't exhaustive, but just a few examples. In Judges, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet summoning the Abizirites to follow him. You're going to go to war, you need some Abizirites. So he blew, blew the trumpet. If you, but if you had read earlier, you discovered that Gideon was not a bold man. In fact, when the angel of the Lord came to him, Gideon had been hiding in a hole in the ground threshing wheat, which isn't normally where people thresh wheat because you need wind to thresh wheat. Not that we know that these days, but he was hiding in a hole in the ground. And when the, when the, the angel said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor, Gideon's response was, mine is the least tribe and all of Israel, my clan is the least clan in this tribe and I'm the least person in this clan. So who's this mighty man of valor that you're talking to? And then when, and when he got instructions from the Lord, go tear down the altar to Baal, cut down the Asherah pole, make a proper altar to the Lord and offer a sacrifice, he went, yes, I will do that as soon as it gets dark and nobody can see me. But when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, He blew the trumpet. He said, okay, come on, we're going to war. Because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and made him bold. Here's another one. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. Who was that? Oh, come on. You guys read the Bible, right? Samson. Yeah, Samson. You know, uh, people tend to think of Samson as being kind of a, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ronnie Wimsett, those of you who know him, you know, kind of guy. He's just, you know, really. I don't think he was. I mean, I think he was. I think he was wiry. You know, not that I'm wiry necessarily. But uh, but I think he. But when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, He could tear a lion apart with his bare hands. When the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he could defeat an army single-handedly with the jawbone of a a donkey. So the Spirit of the Lord, and you may go, well, it was because his hair was long, and when his hair got cut, he wasn't strong anymore. When his hair got cut, the Spirit of the Lord left him. That's why he wasn't strong anymore. So uh, one more. Uh, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Who would this be? Ah, oh, very good. Saul. Yeah, uh, that one that one was a little tougher one. Because Saul was not kind of the prophesying type of guy. And <coughs> excuse me, he certainly didn't want to be king or anything, but the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he did prophesy. The spirit of the Lord came upon him. And as long as he followed the Spirit of the Lord, he was a leader. But now there was a problem. The Spirit of the Lord, Saul didn't stay a different person. Samson didn't stay strong. Gideon didn't stay bold because in all of these cases, the Spirit's visitation was temporary. And that was the way it was in the Old Testament. But his relationship to believers changed in the New Testament But even this change that took place in the New Testament was foretold in the Old Testament. When the Israelites complained about not having meat to eat and the Lord sent quail, the Lord also told Moses to gather the elders, the 70 elders of Israel together. And he would take some of the spirit that he had put on Moses and he'd he'd put it on them. And so he, he gathered them together. And everybody came, but two of them, two of them, uh, Medad and Eldad didn't come, and they were in the camp, but the Spirit rested on them as well, and they prophesied it. Now, the Scripture says that these elders all prophesied when the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, but then they didn't do it again, because the Spirit of the Lord left. And Joshua was upset, because Medad and Eldad didn't come to the meeting, but they, they got touched anyway, and he told Moses, Moses, my Lord, you got to stop them, and Moses said are you jealous for my sake I wish that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them he was praying for us he was asking God to do something for us I don't know that Moses knew he was praying I think he was just expressing the desires of his heart but you know when you're really walking with the Lord and the spirit is on you and you express the desires of your heart guess what that happens that turns into a prayer Prayer that God hears and God answers. So he was praying for the day of Pentecost right there. The prophet Joel spoke about it. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And afterward, uh, if you've seen Star of Bethlehem, which we've shown several times at Christmas time, you know what the afterward means. And if not, I don't have time to tell you, but you can, you can go watch it and find out what this is afterwards. But afterwards, make it short, after the cross, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Let me just take a little quick bunny trail here for a second because occasionally people will say to me, you know, man, I really like the church, but that woman preacher you got, don't know that you're supposed to have women doing that. And, uh, you know, and then I've got the others who kind of go, why don't you let her preach more? And you. <laughs> but here's the thing the Bible says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And if prophesying is bringing forth the word of the Lord, who am I to say, no, you can't do that? Who is anybody to say, no, you can't do that? Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I see visions. We're going to be here a long time today if y'all don't. Y'all don't. Help me. Help. Yes, please. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, just like Gideon, little bold timid Peter and who had suddenly bold timid no timid Peter who had suddenly become bold because the Holy Spirit had come upon him, he referenced this. He said, These men aren't drunk as you suppose. They just look that way because they're Pentecostal. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is this has been foretold. This is rooted in Scripture. This is something we knew was coming. Now let me do say this, the Holy Spirit is in every believer. That doesn't mean that the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't needed. It isn't of value. The options aren't simply full or empty. There are things in between. If If you go out and look at your gas gauge on your car and it's not broken, it may say full, it may say empty, it may say something else. In fact, most of the time it does say something else. And every, every, every believer has to have some of the Holy Spirit in them. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Being born again is being born of the Spirit. The first time you're born, you're born of water. That's the natural birth. But being born of the Spirit, flesh can only give birth to flesh, spirit Gives birth to spirit and puts us into the kingdom. Over in, um, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says that we're not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in us. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. You can't be a Christian without the Spirit inside of you. Becoming a Christian isn't just something, isn't something that man can do. It's not even something woman can do. It's not something that the flesh can do. It it requires the activity and intervention and the agency of the Holy Spirit to make it happen. I mean, you can be a Christian, a nominal Christian, but a real Christian requires that you have the Spirit. And then over in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, We were all baptized by one Spirit into one body. There are a lot of baptisms talked about in, uh, in Scripture, so let, let's not get this confused. But what he's talking about is when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit takes you, transfers you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, also known as putting you into the body of Christ. Baptism is being, is being put into something. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who puts us in the body of Christ. He's the, he's the agent that is at work there now water baptism is important and it's important because Jesus commanded it in the great commission where he said to go and make disciples of all nations he also said baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit so if he said baptize people guess what I'm gonna baptize people because that's what he said to do and and if, if, if people coming to him are supposed to be baptized because he commanded it this is this is a sign of his lordship in our lives. And let me just say one other thing, because Maurice, I'm proud of you, buddy. I really am. Uh, and I know that because I've run into them from time to time, I know that there are people, and maybe some here today, who've never been baptized because they're afraid of water. Okay, I let me let me try to help you out with that. Because You know, there are people who will argue with you about the mode of baptism and how it's supposed to be done, water baptism. And virtually all the baptisms we've done have been total submersion, okay? And I I love that symbolism. That's great, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, But do you know that that's not how most of the Christians in the world do it? Most of the Christians in the world Don't do it that way. Most of the Christians in the world do it by pouring. They'll, they'll. I mean, sometimes you call it sprinkling, but that's actually pouring. Uh, And in fact, if you if you look at a lot of the depictions of Christ's baptism, often you'll see him standing in the water and John standing over. So, hey, if you're afraid of water, you want to get poured. I'm your man. I'll do it, or 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 you know, somebody else can do it. It's because it's not about the ritual. It's about the reality behind the ritual. Peter Peter says, says that this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. He says it's not the removal of dirt from the body. It's the pledge of a good conscience toward God. You're saved, and he goes on to say, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reality behind it is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ coupled with the pledge of a good conscience toward God. And that pledge of a good conscience toward God isn't a matter of, God, I've really been a good boy. It's not a matter of, you know, I I stopped sinning, so here I am. Because you know what? You didn't. The pledge of a good conscience toward God is that conscience that says, you know, Jesus Christ really did die on the cross for my sins. Jesus Christ really was resurrected from the dead I really do need a savior and he's it that's that's the pledge that's the pledge of faith that's that that's what seals it that's what makes it real and then the ritual has meaning then the ritual becomes powerful the Holy Spirit leads us to faith in Christ. I, I can't unravel the mystery of how God's sovereign purpose and man's free will interact in salvation, but I know that the Holy Spirit is the agent in bringing people to Christ. We've already seen that the Holy Spirit is the one who baptizes us into the body, places us into the body of Christ, but he also attracts us to Christ, opening us up to the truth. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. If you've come to Christ, it wasn't because you figured it out or because it was your idea or because you went, you know, I think I'm going to get saved. It's because God drew you. It's it's because his agent was, was after you. I hesitate to use the word hound of heaven because it almost sounds irreverent, but the hound of heaven was on your trail, tracking you down and going after you. And the agent through which he does that is the Holy Spirit. This is, this is liberating. This is this sets us free. At least it, it does, does for me. We read in, let's see, do I, is this the next. Yeah, we read this earlier. He will convict the world in regard to guilt and in regard to, uh, of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. Sin, the, the root of sin is unbelief. That's the root of sin. God said, you'll die. You won't die. Oh, I don't believe what God said. Sin. The root of sin is unbelief. Because men did not believe in me in regard to righteousness. He said, because I'm going to the Father who sent me. They're going, to put, they're, going to, they're going to crucify me on a cross. They're going to put me in the ground. But guess what? I'm going to be resurrected and seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all powers and principalities, and given a name that's above every name. And people are going to go, he must be righteous. He must be the one who's right in God's sight. And the one who convicts the world of that is not you. And it's not me. I used to, I used to be, I used to be under a load of guilt as a child about sharing uh, the gospel with people and them not getting saved. But what is wrong with me? I told this person about that they needed to get saved, and I told them how to get saved, and they didn't. I must be doing something wrong. No. And when I did share the gospel with somebody and they did get saved, it wasn't because I was doing something right. All I am is just being, all I do is just be obedient. One sows, one reaps, the sower and the harvester will rejoice together. And if I go and I share the gospel with somebody and they don't give their life to Jesus Christ, you know what? I just plow a row. I just, I just threw some seed out. And one of these days somebody may come along and share the gospel with them and they'll go, well, yeah, I, I think I'll do that. And you know what? God just gave me credit as well as giving them credit. And when I share the gospel with somebody and they do get saved, it's not because I am so convincing. It is because somebody's been praying for that person. Somebody's been sharing the gospel in that person's life. Somebody's been showing them the love of Christ. And I just happened to be there when it all came together. So the Holy Ghost is the one who does this. Yeah, I'm going I'm to click over this one because I really don't have time to go into this one. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. While every believer has the Holy Spirit, there's clearly a presence of the fullness of the Spirit that's beyond simply salvation. Over in Acts chapter 19, Paul came to Ephesus and he found some disciples there and he asked them this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, Paul is the one who said, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Yet he's acknowledging that these guys have already believed. He's Going, did you get the Holy Spirit then? So he's obviously talking about something else. He's talking about... Another step, something beyond. What's the baptism of the Holy Spirit for? Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. When the Holy Spirit came upon Gideon, he became bold. When the Holy Spirit came upon Samson, he became strong. When the Holy Spirit came upon Saul, he became a different person. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, when the fullness of the Holy Spirit begins to inhabit our lives, we receive power to become bold and powerful and, yeah, strong and different was that Sam Strong? Who said strong? <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay. Uh, that's, that's what the baptism of the Holy... And, and it changes our lives. It changes it changes who, who you are. And the Holy Spirit in the New Testament comes to reside and abide. He doesn't just come to, to visit. He doesn't just come for a temporary season. He comes... Jesus said... Another, I will send you another comforter who will abide with you forever. Forever. He's not leaving. He's not, he's not going away. He's going he's to be there with you. What does the fullness of the Holy Spirit bring? Well, the fullness of the Holy Spirit brings gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and obviously I'm going to have to fly through this, but we spent the entire year last year on the Holy Ghost and, and spent several weeks on this, so you can go back and, on, the, on the website and catch the, the archive of this. It brings the gifts over in 1 Corinthians 12. There are nine that are listed. Message of wisdom, message of knowledge, uh, faith by the same Spirit, uh, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, discernment, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. All of these are supernatural. The gift of wisdom is not the gift of being smart. You know, how are we gonna gonna attack this city of Jericho over here? Well, let's see. We'll march around it for six days and won't say anything. And on the seventh day, we'll march around it seven times and we'll yell, And and the walls will fall down. That's your plan? That's not a plan man comes up with. It's a supernatural revelation. When Jesus met with the woman at the well in Samaria and said, you know, bring your husband, and she went, I don't have a husband. And he said, oh, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the one you've got now isn't really your husband, the guy that you're living with now. He didn't Google her. There was supernatural revelation that came there that told him... Told him what what to say. Told him what what was going on. That these are the gifts of the Spirit and they're all supernatural. And we've had a tendency, we've had a tendency in Pentecostal camps to think that I have the gift of. I have the gift of healing, or I have the gift of. No, you don't. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has all these gifts and he distributes them as he will. To the ones that, but he's there the whole time, and you know sometimes people kind of go, well, you know what? Why isn't everybody healed? Well, I don't know. I just know people don't get healed sometimes, and I know God's working this out. Maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't get healed because the only way to get this one saved is to have them attend the funeral. You know. Like I was saying earlier, sometimes there's some suffering that's involved in filling up the sufferings of Christ so that God's kingdom can be advanced and His Son can be glorified. There's nothing in Scripture to indicate that these ever stopped, nothing whatsoever. Uh, some use 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to say that, that this is stopped, but that's quite a stretch. Because love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Well, in the first place, that's not what he's talking about. But in the second place, uh, prophecy hasn't ceased. There's still prophecy being fulfilled all the time. I don't think the Lord's returned yet, and I believe he's going to. I don't think that Satan's been bound and sin banished from the world yet. That's going to happen. And I, 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 I find it quite ironic that, um, that, you know, it also says that knowledge has ceased. I find it quite ironic that people would build schools to teach that knowledge has ceased. So why am I paying you money to give me knowledge about things? Yeah. The, no, there's, there's nothing in Scripture to indicate that any of this has ended. And like I say, we need it. We need it now more than ever. And it's, and it's different things in different cultures, but we need it now more than ever. And, and let me just very quickly the word of prophecy does not have to start with, oh, my children, or anything like that. The word of prophecy doesn't even have to be in the meeting, it doesn't even have to be in this building. The prophetic word can be God laying on your heart. Hey, that one, you, you need to go talk to that one. Go, go share with her the scripture verse that I, that I pointed out to you this morning. Go, go, go tell him that, that you believe in, in my, my calling on his life. Go tell him, that, that's, that's the word of the Lord. That's prophetic. So the gifts are one of the things that are brought. The, the fruit of the Spirit because one of the things that are brought, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Yeah. Yeah, I was just, I kind of got stuck on that one there. Uh, love, joy. You know, and when you've got the Holy Spirit in your life, these things are supposed to be increasing. It's, they're not just Words. Their reality and what's happening in your life. And, and the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And if you, you can speak in tongues from, from now till tomorrow morning, and if you're mean as a snake, you still can't convince me that you're full of the Holy Ghost. Because I, I am said this in early service and we'll say it in the second service I am so tired of us saying to people Jesus loves you and yet they would never know it by looking at how we treat them (laughs) come on I mean get over it not everybody's got to agree with us about everything there's only one thing and what we have to do is show the love of Jesus show the joy Of jesus the peace of jesus and i'm not talking about putting on a mask i'm talking about being filled with the holy ghost because he'll make it happen how do you receive the fullness of the spirit you ask if you then though you're evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask him you know i talked earlier about tarrying and having you know people pray this and pray that and hey that's that's cool That's great, that's how it happened with me, Uh, and it certainly can happen with you, but there is no formula, there is no formula. They tarried on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and the room in which they they were all seated shook, and cloven tongues of fire came and rested upon the heads of each one of them. Oh, and by the way, they spoke in tongues. I mean, yeah, that's one way for it to happen. At Cornelius' house, they were just listening to Peter preach, and all of a sudden the sermon got interrupted because the Holy Ghost decided to do something. In other places in the Scripture, uh, people were prayed for. Laying on of hands uh, occurred, and they were, they were prayed for, and they received the Holy Spirit. I've known people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit washing dishes. I've known people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit driving their car People trying to go to sleep, but they really wanted the Holy Spirit more than they wanted to go to sleep. And they ended up getting the Holy Spirit, laying laying in their bed. And and when I say getting the Holy Spirit, you know, the Spirit was there. I'm talking about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about this, this other experience that's being talked about. There is no formula. Well, how do you know if you've got the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Essentially, you receive it by faith. However, the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit begin to flow in your life and you receive power to be bold all of a sudden that 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 person who was so catowed at work is that is that a word is that the right word yeah I just made that up but it's it's a really good word (laughs) yeah go with it that 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 person who was uh so browbeaten at work that they wouldn't wouldn't say anything or uh, you know all of a sudden can go hey I you know what, I I love you, and and I love Jesus. He just made such a difference in my life. That's boldness. You know? All of a sudden, you, there's that power to be bold. There's that power to to deal with what life is throwing at you and the strength that you need to carry on, and you become a new person. Don't you, Fred Jones? You become a new person. I mean, it, it, I... I you know, I'm just going to get Pentecostal on you for a second. The grass, the grass looks greener. The sky looks bluer. The the the, the air smells fresher, even if it isn't. I mean, you know, because you're smelling air coming from someplace else. You're you you've got you got some heavenly breezes going on. You're like you it, it's, you're a different person. Would you stand with me, yeah. For those who are going to pray for people. Come forward and, <coughs> excuse me. You know, uh, we we believe all of these things and we theologically, doctrinally, we are a Pentecostal church, but I know that we have a lot of people who really, baptism in the Holy Spirit, what's that? because we talk about a lot of other things and that doesn't come up that often. And you may be one of those people, you've never heard of it. kinda of go, what is he talking about? Uh, sound, like, sound like it might be something that's pretty good. Uh, you, you got two choices. Well, actually you got three, you can ignore it and just go ahead and look up and go, man, I don't know what's so different about this Christian thing. Yeah. Or you can go home and get your Bible out Start searching some of these scriptures that I've given you. Uh, they're in your bulletin. And search it out for yourself. You really should. Or you may be going, hey, I'm ready right now. Let, uh, that, I'm in. Let's seal. I need some of this. Seal the deal. Uh, if you need boldness, power, newness, any of these things, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, encourage you to come brothers and sisters to pray with you it's a fallen world some of you came in with with other needs some of you came in with things that you just need somebody to pray with you today that's what this time is for we're going to worship for a few moments you can come yeah you don't have to wait until we start if you, if you need to come you, you can go ahead and come if you don't need to come then worship with us worship with us in spirit and in truth Uh, and then also for uh, Tina Harlan, who's um, left for Honduras yesterday. So, be praying for him, lift him up. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world to redeem us, and who sent His Spirit into the world to empower us, may that Holy Spirit, that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Bring life to your mortal bodies so that the love of God is shown abroad through your life. May you know His righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost through Jesus Christ our Lord.